Hello and welcome to the Cultural Peeps podcast. My name is Ian Wielden and I'm a lecturer in the School of Arts and Cultures at Newcastle University. This series is part of an ongoing project which explores different career pathways across the museum, gallery, heritage and wider cultural sectors. I really want this series to do three things. The first is to help early career professionals understand the huge range of ever-changing job profiles that now exist. The second aim is to help those professionals interpret job titles in the context of different venues and organisations. Sometimes jobs with the same title can be radically different depending on the organisation. The third aim is to help listeners understand that the people that make up any field of work are all human and that in turn plays a significant part in their unfolding career pathway and decision-making processes. A few caveats. The recordings that form the basis for the podcasts aren't technically perfect. They're often grabbed in busy offices and in between meetings, so you can frequently hear the everyday world of work whirring on in the background. Just a final note, these podcasts are edited down from longer conversations, but I've tried to keep in as much of the original content as possible. Welcome to episode 8 of the Cultural Peeps podcast. I'm currently on Princess Street in Edinburgh where I've been to record today's episode. My guest this afternoon was Rob Airy, the director of the Wilhelmina Barnes Graham Trust. So Rob's office is based off Brunswick Street in a leafy Edinburgh suburb near to the city centre and it's the first time I've visited the Trust so before the interview we spent about an hour or so looking around the collections in there. Wilhelmina Barnes-Graham left her collection of paintings, drawings and prints, which, along with her personal collection of art by other artists, makes up the basis of the Trust. This enables the Trust to present her work in a number of different contexts through exhibitions and also facilitate long-term loans to public museums and galleries. I wanted to include Rob in this series because he's made some really interesting and key career decisions which are based around lifestyle. So I wanted to talk to him about how he's tried to balance a specific interest in 20th century art with his home life throughout his career. We start our conversation with a description of his current role at the Trust and then went back to talk about how his interest in art history developed whilst he was at school. He undertook his first degree at Northumbria before completing his MA at the Courtauld Institute. Rob then went on to work at the National Government Art Collection in London where he did two stints, uh, one before and one after his MA. This is a fascinating role as it gave Rob the opportunity to work with both a national collection and also with a range of artists and estates in order to obtain copyright and learn more about the background of the accessioned works that form the basis for that collection. This skill set then led him to Tate where he worked as a registrar and following that he then went to work at the Henry Moore Foundation in the Hertfordshire countryside again as a registrar but where he travelled internationally helping to stage and promote Moore's work through high profile exhibitions. Rub then relocated with his partner to Cornwall and in that section we discuss something which repeatedly emerges in this series and that's around the importance of networks. So during that period Rob was the treasurer of the United Kingdom's Registrars Group which is a forum for communication and cooperation between registrars, collection managers, exhibition organisers 
and other museum professionals in fields related to work undertaken by registrars. And that led to a range of opportunities during the relocation to Cornwall, including a post at the Royal Cornwall Museum. And around this time, Rob also worked on the Cornish region of the Your Pictures project, something which is now called the Art UK website. In 2009, Rob moved back to the northeast to work as a curator at the Hatton Gallery in Newcastle. The Hatton is a fascinating site which houses Newcastle University's collection and is managed by Tyne and Weir Museums and Archives. In addition to the things that I've already mentioned, I've put links to sites, organisations and projects in the podcast description. So if there's anything that you'd like to look up that Rob and I cover in our conversation, then that's a good starting point. Don't forget that you can follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle at Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there is a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. That's it from me for now. I hope you enjoy this episode and I hope you find it useful. Thank you for joining me today, Rob. Could we just start by uh, finding out a little bit about you and your current role? I'm the director of the Wilhelmina Barnes-Graham Trust. The um, the trust was set up um, by Barnes-Graham, or it was created legally by Barnes-Graham in 1987, uh, but didn't become a legal entity until she died in 2004. So it's a single artist trust which she endowed, uh, which has got two main functions to look after her legacy as an artist and then a charitable function of of giving bursaries and grants to various things. So uh, my my main role is to direct the whole operation of of the trust. And and what does that job consist of? So there's two, as I kind of mentioned, there's two main thrusts to it. Uh, There's two halves to it. The, The one bit is looking after her as an artist. So that's creating exhibitions, publications, doing talks, looking ha- looking after her legacy, really, uh, creating content for the website. So it's a lot all about her as an artist, uh, looking after the collection, etc. And then the other half is really all the other business of the trust. So managing uh, the finances, managing the building we're in, all the practical kind of things of, of you know, looking after the trust. Um, there's the giving programme, um, we have a number of bursaries uh, lodged at about 10 different universities, uh, which is to support fine arts, fine arts students predominantly, and a couple of art history uh, um, courses. So they might be travel grants, hardship grants. Um, so that amounts to about £24,000 a year. And then we also support artist residences. Um, we support a residency at Porthmere Studios in St Ives and through the Royal Scottish Academy. In Edinburgh, um, so I also manage that that part of it. Um, so, what does a day, uh, what does an average day look like for you? Um, well, it can be well, it varies a lot. Um, I, I usually try to split the day into two. Again, following the two the sort of two parts of the job which I've already mentioned. So, I might spend the morning um, writing a talk, um, creating a PowerPoint presentation about about Barnes Graham. 
which might involve doing new research, uh, looking in diaries and letters, um, creating content uh, about her and developing uh, information about her. And, and then the other half might be um, having meetings with a, with a university to talk about a new bursary, um, that sort of thing. Your, your job title is director here. Yes. Is that re- reflective of those types of jobs that you do? How helpful is that title? The, the job title itself? Yeah. Um, no, I think it is useful because we're a tiny, it's a tiny trust. So there's only there's, there's two full-time members of staff, as myself and my colleague Ross, who is the collection manager. So he's, his role is very focused. He's, he's quite, it's quite precise what he, he needs to do, which is to manage, manage the art collection, manage the database, input information, manage all the comings and goings of the art. Uh, whereas my my job is a bit slightly more kind of amorphous and vague, and so I have to do basically everything else, right. uh, as well as manage his, manage his work. But I think it's important for people you know who are contacting the trust or are interested in Barnsgrim that they have they know who's kind of in charge, so to speak. So um, as a way of summarising what I do, I suppose director, it sounds perhaps more kind of important or responsible than perhaps it perhaps is because there is still a, a board of trustees uh, and a chairman who I who I work to but um I suppose in summarizing yeah my role then director is is fine and, it, and it's quite nice I suppose as well when I'm dealing with other in, bigger institutions like when I'm talking to the Tate or the National Galleries of Scotland or other you know much bigger institutions yeah that, having that title of director the gravitas of yeah it. the gravitas at right. least puts yeah at least you know it means that I can go quite yeah, close to the top from the start, right? Uh, okay, because I'm a fellow director, I suppose, even yeah. if it is on a slightly different kind of scale. So it's it's useful in terms of promoting the, the, the you know the work that we do. So it's really helpful for working with outside organisations yeah. and institutions, and then inside, you're kind of much more flexible about doing what needs to be done. Yeah, exactly. In t- yeah, in terms of with with within as on, on in day to day working, uh, yeah, I get I, I it's very hands on. Uh, role so I'm I you know I help wrap I'm helping wrapping paintings you know I help yeah. put put pictures up um, you know I, I I'm the person who has to you know book the window cleaner and all that all those kind of things as well yeah. so because we are so small uh, but we're you know we've got a lot of we've got quite varied responsibilities and and things that we're trying to do um, yeah I have to get I have to do lots of different things so it's quite yeah it's quite varied and, and and sort of practical and hands-on. I'm not sat uh, in the sort of ivy tower, just kind of <laughs> <laughs> telling pe- telling people what to, you know, telling other yeah. people what to do. It's a very doing kind of hands-on, yeah, job. Yeah. So, how does your current job relate to what you perhaps thought you'd be doing when you were at school? When I was at school, um, I mean, when I was at, sc- at school, all I really thought of in terms of work was really wanted to work in a museum or a gallery or, or, or to work with art. I think when I was at school, beyond... Um, so did you have that plan quite early on? No, not, not really. I was, I was always keen on history and then I got really got into art as a, teen, as a teen. I was used to art, but I really enjoyed art history. And I think I went to my first... Went to a Royal Academy show. The school took us to a Royal Academy show in 1987 uh, when I was 16, which was British art in the 20th century. 
when I was still at the Cannes, I've heard, heard of Leonardo and Van Gogh, you know, kind yeah. of stage, and see think about British art and see particularly twentieth century British art and contemporary British art. It was quite an eye opener. I mean, a very progressive uh, art teacher who, though there wasn't any art history uh, qualifications available, he did he did these kind of lunchtime art history lectures off his own back just for people oh, really? who, just for people who are interested. And that's kind of that's what fired my kind of interest and enthusiasm. I think I was thinking about it, going to the Royal Academy and seeing pictures, you know, those sort of pictures on the wall, you know, and seeing massive Stanley Spencers and um, you know just that that whole breadth uh, of, of of British art in the twentieth century. Really, that's you know that's what got me going. But I had no clue about I had no clue about careers, and I suppose when you're thinking about it was only when I started thinking about going to university and what to do after school. Uh, say I couldn't do an art history qualification. Uh, that, uh, that I discovered that art history was a was a subject, and that's I suppose that's what got me started. But I was certainly wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking about work at all. I was thinking about. I was just thinking about doing something that interested me. By the time you got to that point where you'd gone to the RA mm. for for that show, had you already taken art as an optional subject? Well, I did, you know, I sort of did O-level. Yeah. In fact, I didn't, I think I had to do, <laughs> I think I had to do CSE. Right. So I was really not very good at all, at, uh, practical at art. But well, I liked... constitutes not very good, it's no, technically just, yeah, not I wasn't, very good. I just, well, I just wasn't very good. Uh, I found it a real struggle and I could see comparing it, comparing what I was doing to, you know, my peers. It was, it was, it was awful. But, um, and there's, you know, there's the whole, there's a lot of hanging around the art block was the cool place to, <laughs> right. it was the cool place to be, so... Um, I suppose that's part of it as well. You know, it seemed like a, you know it, was, it seemed like a cool option. Yeah. Uh, b- b- you know, being involved in art and it kind of chimed with my sort of ongoing sort of previous interest in history that I could combine the two. Yeah. I suppose that's what got me into into stu- into what wanted to study uh, art history. Um, but it was a long time later that I actually thought about you know as a as a as a career option. So what kind of things were covered in those lunchtime sessions? Oh, it was just he would do. He was the art. He was he was he was big on the pre-Raphaelites, and but he would he would try to do he'd do a, one on the Renaissance. So and Raphael, you know, I can remember sitting, be like forty minutes within like an overhead projector, and he right. just so he got it, a real kind of shortcut yeah, to yeah yeah. So it was it was uh, like a kind of Gombrich's history of art yeah, kind of thing. yeah yeah history of art exactly yeah this, the the story of art yeah that was that was that was the one art art book I had I think right. Um, the story of art by Gombrich, yeah. So, um, so I suppose I got a sense, you know. Obviously, I knew that there, I, I, I probably didn't even know really what a curator was, but obviously, I knew there was books and there was people writing about art. And yeah, there was a thing you could go to galleries and see it, but you know, when you're that age, you don't. I don't have any sense of 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 what people's roles were or what things needed doing. And it was, as I said, we'll perhaps get onto it, but it was a long time later until I grasped right that, that it was a it was just it was something that I could do for the rest of my life or be involved in working working so did you visit galleries with family or was that something that was purely happening it was before? really through school yeah it was good because we you know we lived in Kendall in the Lake District so the school again it was this art teacher uh he he organized trips on the train uh, and I remember going you know we would go once or twice a year down to London. The Royal Academy one was was one I really remember. 
but then subsequent years we went to the Tate and the the the, the Haywood, and he would take us to you know two three shows. Wow. Uh, it was you know it was you know it was amazing really, um, and there was a re- there was a really good art gallery in Kendall at Ab- Abbott Hall, but I don't rem- really remember being taken there. I mean, my mum and dad weren't were interested in art particularly. Though my mum actually did subsequently when I got interested in it, and, and she did. But um, as a result yeah. of your interest, in yeah, that, yeah. So it wasn't. It would, I didn't didn't come didn't come down from my mum and dad at all. Right. No. So w- were they encouraging of of your decisions around kind of taking or or you know did they have an influence on subjects? Yeah, that you were taking. Yeah, they were they were they were encouraging, and they were but they were very very they were very relaxed. They didn't. I wasn't. They didn't push me down any any Very road, you know. They, they, once I decided what I want to do, they were, they, they were supportive, but um, yeah, they didn't they didn't try to push me in any particular direction at all, really. On from your school qualifications on te- well A level, what did you take? So A level, I was doing history and it was all good preparation, really. Uh, history and sociology. Right. And religious studies, right? My three main A levels and general right. studies, so quite a good, uh, quite a good basis, really. And did you have art running in parallel to those, or was that just an interest? That you yeah, had? no, it was just an interest. I think probably, I think I was probably, I think in the lower six when I did my first year of A levels, I did GCSE art because right. I'd done so badly in the O level. I mean, we, were, we were just at the time when O levels were turning so into GSE, so I, did, I think I went and did. So what's that? Is that like eighty eight? Is that? Yeah, 88 would be, yeah. Yeah, I did my A-levels, finished in 89, so around about 88, so yeah. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's really... So I was doing, yeah, I was doing art in the upper six and probably getting getting a little bit better, I suppose. But, um, yeah, the art was... It was really my, about having somewhere to hang out at lunchtime, really. And, uh, and but all my friends, I had all, a lot of my close friends were really, really good artists. Right. So there's uh, a peer influence. Yeah, in that definitely, as well. definitely. Yeah, uh, and um, I was also working in the local library on a Saturday, my Saturday job for a while. I was I was in the local library. Right. So I had access to all these books, uh, which was really good. I remember coming home with like, you know, piles of big hardbacks. You know, I really yeah. remember a big Lucian Freud book, which I was kind of really wowed by. Uh, and that kind of chimed probably with the the British Art in the Twentieth Century exhibition I've been to that this you know that this stuff was still going on, and it wasn't just about Leonardo, Monet, and yeah, Van Gogh or whatever. So with the selection at A level was was that because art history wasn't an option for yeah. you? You know there wasn't art art history you couldn't do it at O level or A level yeah. at our school. Um, so um, I was always going to do history. I think I started doing geography, but I didn't get on with it. It was too scientific. Right. Uh, so I chose religious studies instead, uh, which, uh, you know, which was apparently, I was told it was impossible to get an A at religious studies. Uh, and it was, but it was a nice little small group. Um, it was only six or seven of us, and it was always like a round table. Right. And there's a lot of stuff about ethics and, you know, moral, 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 oh, yeah. moral philosophy and stuff, um, which, yeah, I really enjoyed. Which again, it was I think that and the sociology. So it was good. It was good training for art history because you know it made you think about uh, people's lives and and you know how and context how, and you know, how to live it. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. you know as well as sort of traditional sort of iconography and and things. So I think my A levels were quite good 
actually quite good preparation for art history. I'm trying to think when I started when I started my degree, I'm not sure if that how many people had really done art history at A level. I think it was more the kind of I think it was more prevalent in public schools probably in those days doing art history level things. Yeah. I guess I mean I think I thought about I had thought about librarianship, I think. Right. As you know, if if I was at school if I'd been thinking about something that actually I knew was a job, I suppose like I suppose the closest would have been librarianship. Because I'd worked in the library, yeah, yeah and, I, yeah. you know, it was something, yeah, I suppose it sort of chimed with my interest a bit, but it seemed a bit dry right. when I started looking into it. From A-levels, you, you've got a few decisions to make. Mm. How did that unfold? Well, I think I just did the traditional, you know, God, you know, when, whenever it is that you actually do it, uh, I just, yeah, I decided I was going to do art history and, and just um, applied, um, like you did in those days. I went to some open days and then just chose five to apply to and I went, did the traditional sort of interview yeah. process where you'd sit down with, I think it was usually just one one professor yeah. and, and just have a chat. And I think um, I got offered um, a place at the Courthood Institute um, in London to do my, to do, start doing my BA. Uh, I actually can remember the interview. It sticks in my mind because he, he gave me a. This is how they used to do it in those days. That he gave me a postcard of a painting to try and s- to say something about. Right. Uh, and he said, "Do you know who it's by?" Uh, and I took a guess that so it was Augustus John. I took. I was an educated guess, let's say, and it was. <laughs> and I was like surprised myself. I think he was quite surprised as well. It's that portrait of Madame Sugiu with sat playing the cello. Yeah. Really famous paint. Well, it's famous now. I've never seen it before. But I, I, I don't know how I got it at age eighteen. How I knew that, I don't know. But I did. But actually, I think, and I realise now actually that I've got a really good memory for images, uh, which we'll probably come back onto in a, in a bit later on. Because that's what kind of informed some of my early kind of career uh, attempts. Um, so yeah, I, I identified this. I, at the Cotard interview. I identified this painting uh, by Augustus John. I think that's what got me the place but then when I started the course I only lasted about three four weeks really um, before, I, before I yeah before I moved and again in those days the the, the court of BA was very very much you start in the, with the Greeks and the Romans right and as the year first two years go by you just kind of steadily plod your way along yeah. the chronology of art history until yeah. you get to like 1900 when, when you stop and after about three weeks of Greek and Roman architecture I was like this is this isn't what I signed up for I don't think I'm not, I'd already I'd been offered a place at, at Newcastle uh, on the British on the um, history of modern art design and film course right in at Newcastle Poly as it was then uh, so, so the Northumbria University yeah what's now Northumbria yeah, Umbria, yeah. Um, so I rang them up and said um, can I can I start they said you want to leave the court old <laughs> and I, said, <laughs> I was like yeah I do yeah so that was that so so that must have been quite a big decision to make. Yeah, well, yeah, it didn't. It didn't seem like a big decision. I was just. I knew I couldn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be there for three years doing this course. So, um, and again, when so when you're sort of eighteen, you know, you just do things. Yeah. Don't you? I just. I just did it, and I was quite okay. comfortable. I had a lot of friends who were in New, at Newcastle already, and it right. just seemed like an easy, quick and easy kind of thing to do. I didn't miss much of the course and. And would, did did that just focus on a different period, so that allowed you to jump into um, yeah? So history, of modern art, design, modern, film. Modern, it only yeah. starts it starts at that course 
then it started it sort of started at 1750 you know design and film as well as art and it also had a history element to it and there was a lot quite a lot, a lot of theory as well so it was a much wider in terms of scope but kind of yeah, the time period right. was important I mean I kind of realised that I wasn't really interested in anything you know earlier than the late 19th century really right and then after, and then I really, I really I was only again it probably goes back to going to this uh, British art show at the Royal Academy uh, when I was at school but I was really only interested in 20th century art really and what was the experience of university like how did, how did you find that? Was that a kind of liberating continuation of what you've been experiencing so far? Yeah, I just, I just, yeah, I just really enjoyed it. I just, I enjoyed the subject. Um, I enjoyed the process of, you know, you know, when I've been at school and you know, just like looking at Lucian Freud books, it's all on a quite on the surface level, I suppose, and just, I just enjoyed looking at pictures really. So it was quite nice to. For this to be uh, dealt with as a as a sort of academic subject, and then it kind of felt like I was learning about um, the subject properly, yeah, in, in more in more depth and in more context as well. And and it was what was good about that course was seeing it things lined up, you know, like film and design and art at the same time. It wasn't yeah. just it was it was more it was more about uh, the sort of connectivity between different. Um, fields of work sounds great yeah, it was good it was good it's like, it was like any course you know there was there was bits uh, i didn't enjoy so much and in fact I, you know i did i found the sort of the, the, a lot of the theory quite hard a lot of the reading um but no it, no it was a good course um but there wasn't you know there were even on you know all that in three years there uh, you know at newcastle poly there was no, there was no, no discussion about careers. Right. I don't remember ever, ever, jobs or what you're going to do afterwards ever being discussed. So it was a very much a learning for learning, yeah, sake totally, approach. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So did you work whilst you were at university, or was it you were just purely focusing on studies? At yeah, that point? totally. I did. Like, I went home and did jobs in the Bits summer, but uh, but no, there was no. You know, like there was contextualised. There was no play. There was no placements. There was no going into museums to find out what people do. There was none right. of that. It was just. It was just. It was like an academic, purely academic subject. Yeah. What happened at the end of that? But even then, I, I, had no, I still had no idea of what, right. what was a possibility. Well, then, yeah, so I finished my degree, and I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do? Uh, what, what, you know, what can you do? So it was only when I'd finished, literally, but I hadn't thought about it until after I'd finished. Um, and this is where I got lucky in some ways, because I was actually, I mean, I wasn't employed for, for a year, but then I started getting the Guardian. In those days, you got the Guardian on a Monday, and all the jobs were advertised. All the jobs in the arts were advertised in the Guardian, and it even it was really just looking at the even looking at the adverts gave me an idea of of what people did. You know yeah. what jobs there were. So I was like starting at a, a very basic level of understanding yeah. of, of careers that I might be able to use. But what just this and this goes back to what I was saying about my sort of visual memory and, and like looking at images. The first sort of jobs I started going for were in picture libraries right. um, I mean I didn't know picture libraries existed until this point but there was always jobs going research in picture library like the, the Bridgman was the big one at that time I had an right. interview at the Bridgman Art Library 
uh, where you know where you manage um, images for commercial use. And I thought well, this it'd be quite good, you know, application. <coughs> yeah, but I had no idea really how it worked. Um, so I, I applied for various jobs at commercial pitch libraries and things, um, and you know that I didn't have any success there. So then, I think I probably um, sent my CV off to with a covering letter to if I don't know how I did it. Research some galleries, probably sent a letter to the Tate and various places. Yeah, I must have done a bit of research because I sent one to the government art collection, which is quite an obscure little collection really I, must, yeah. I don't know how I found their address even um, but probably I don't know five six months after I'd sent this letter um, they got in touch and said oh there's a job going do you want it so not even a do you want to come and do a bit of volunteering no, no, or straight no, in no, or for a job straight in yeah. wow um, it was they must have got some money from somewhere because it was it was for a one year contract it was like, a, like it was like they were giving someone a an opportunity, yeah, because uh, it was part of it was well, it was part of national heritage in those days. What became DCMS? Um, so I got off this job as admin assistant at the government art collection. Uh, the government art collection is is the collection uh, which puts um, artwork into government buildings in in UK and embassies abroad. Yeah. Uh, and in those days, it was very shadowy. Um, they didn't have a website. The the location was totally secret. It was this bland kind of. Uh, I had to sign the Official Secrets Act. It was. It was really. It was. It was really low key. Uh, yeah. But this. It was in London. So I moved to London. And I got this. Yeah. You know, I got a year uh, as this admin assistant at the Government Art Collection. But I think while I'd been having this unsuccessful year applying for jobs and and sending out my CV and get not getting anywhere, I'd already. I think during that period, I decided I was going to have to do a masters. Right. really to be able to you know to be successful because I suppose you know having spent all these months looking at the Guardian I'd, I'd got an idea about jobs and yeah and you know what qualifications you needed and what levels what, expected. were you seeing that that like MA was a requirement there? well I suppose I must I guess I must have been something for some reason I I, I, I kind of decided that I'm, I was going to have to do a, I was I needed to do an MA and did you have a we a wider peer group at that point or anybody that you could go to to talk about it about what not your really no might I be. think I think like the, all the people I knew on the course at, at Newcastle they just disappeared I don't know right. I didn't know, I didn't know what any of them were doing or no not not right. really I was, I was really in a vac- bit of a vacuum right um, but it's quite focused to kind of keep going at the old yeah, thing yeah. Well, so it, yeah, I suppose just had to do that. something, you know. It's you know after I was pretty miserable after after six six months, nine months signing yeah. on. Uh, so I thought, yeah, I thought I, sp- I thought yeah, I thought doing the masters was was the way to go. So I'd actually got a place at the Courtauld, as it as it turned out, right? Sort of lined up um, for your masters. <laughs> yeah, so actually, and they overlap. So the last few months, uh, I was at the government art collection. I was I'd started my masters. Yeah. So I was doing like working in the library in the evening and and doing a bit, but I started doing. I started went part time at the government art collection. Eventually, I had to say I can't, um, I can't do any more. Yeah. I need to just I need to do my masters. So yeah. they overlap for a while, but then they asked me back when I finished my masters. So oh, you can come back right. um, for another. I think it was eighteen months the second time. So what what kind of things were you doing there? 
at the Goodman Art Collection. Yeah. So well, when I first when I first started, it was really kind of photocopying and filing and um, writing out purchase orders and just general kind yeah. of there's a thing that's about stuff about 12 something like that right. um, but it was really good because I got an idea of uh, that's where I started to get an idea of, of roles you know because um, they had a registrar uh, right. they had a di- you know they had a director they had three curators um, they had you know an admin manager so I got I started to get a sense of uh, of a working environment and what you know what's involved you know so we had to work with transport companies and photographers yeah. and conservators so that's where I kind of get an idea of the art world I suppose so you, you know, got a big a overview sense, from, yeah. from this admin yeah position. so I got a sense of you know how it works and that you know I'd you know I'd, I'd, I was in London then so I went to exhibition of the Tate and yeah um the director then was a woman called Wendy Barron who was who's an amazing woman she was she's like a world uh, expert on sicket Right. And the Camden Town Group, um, and she'd been there for years, so she was she was really inspirational and really supportive and uh, helpful. Yeah. Um, so this is loans going out from the collection yeah. to other exhibitions, organisations, yeah, and, and really well, really to government buildings. Yeah. That's that's what right. the role was and embassies. Yeah. Right. Um, so I had to do a lot of filing, but then I started a couple of things. I started doing was managing the they had an ongoing kind of program of photography the freelance photographer um so i would organize these sessions uh which is great lots of hands hands-on handling of, of paintings uh which is really good and i you know i would get the transparency back and have to do all the labeling and and, and yeah. filing of those and then the second when i went back they wanted to do a project um to publish a illustrated catalog of the 20th century collection uh, which they wanted, uh, they needed to get copyright approval from all the artists. So I set up uh, and, and did this this project to contact every 20th century artist, or every artist who was in copyright right. in the collection. So I was writing to everyone yeah. and saying we've got... It was really exciting. It was great. Contact with yeah, and there was a lot of research, quite a lot of obscure artists. So I was doing quite a bit of research, and this is all pre-internet days. Yeah. So I was going through catalogues and like bringing up dealers in London, trying to get people's details and writing to them saying, we own these paintings, we want to reproduce in this catalogue. Is that okay? Yeah. Um, so I got some really nice, actually nice kind of to and fro's with certain artists. Certain artists. So I exchanged... Exchanged a lot of letters with Prunella Clough, for example. Right. It was really nice. She didn't really, she didn't really know that we had so many, and she would be correcting titles and dates. And it was, yeah, got into quite some oh. quite. That was really interesting. Yeah. Patrick Heron, he was another one who there was a bit of tea and fro with. So, yeah, again, this was all kind of helping me, kind of, yeah, understand the the, the kind of the world. So by that point, you've got. It sounds like you've got a context for. Yeah. For, for work for the work yeah yeah, yeah. and for, out of those roles were you starting to identify what you might want to pursue you know you talked about registrar curators yeah. those kind of things were you starting to so a little a little bit i think i think i think i was quite realistic because i kind of realized that um the curate you know the curators there um i think they probably uh, the main research curator she she had a phd and it was that high level of writing, which I, I'd, I'd always found difficult, actually. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy. And I was, at that point, I was kind of, I was slightly dubious about whether I was, I was really cut out to be like a, a like a museum level, academic. academic style curator. Yeah. 
Right. I was, I hadn't given up on it, but I, I think probably then I had a sense that that probably was going to be difficult. And I think I applied, I applied for a job at the Tate as a curator, like a junior curator, yeah. um, which I didn't get. And I, and I just felt that the, like the level of questioning I was getting at that interview kind of must have concerned me that I was, I was, right. I was could have been out of my depth right. a little bit. Um, so what came after that? So I came to this again. I was, I got, I was, the the second bit of the government art collection job was again another short term contract. So after eighteen months, I was they couldn't they couldn't they wanted to because it was a development sort of role yeah. that they had money towards. They wanted to give it to another young uh, person. So they said that's it. You know, the, you know, there's not a problem, but yeah. that was it. Yeah. So I was again. I was I was I was unemployed oh, again. Right. Okay. Uh, for but not for very long. I think again I was lucky really because I applied for a, a registrar's job at the Tate assistant registrar uh, job at the Tate which I didn't get um, but again they just rang me up so there's two other jobs uh, going do you want this so you got to interview I got to interview and then they'd they, they obviously they'd seen you weren't particularly well weren't right for that job but you may be right for yeah so was that the same level that you'd yeah, applied for yeah, there was actually, right yeah assistant registrar right of which there's, there was I don't know, 10 at least at the Tate. And were you still living in London at that point? Yeah. Or had you gone back to... No, I'd stayed. I'd right. stayed, yeah. Luckily, I, was, I had enough... I, was, I could afford to stay for a few months. Right. Which, thankfully, was yeah. enough time for me to get another job. Um, so, yeah, I started the Tate in 1996 as an assistant registrar. Okay. And again, I had really... There, there was a registrar at the government art collection. I'd, I, didn't, I, didn't, I hadn't done a job. I didn't really know what was involved. So, yeah. I was just... <laughs> It would never happen now, you know. If you look at an assistant registrar job being advertised at the Tate now, it's you know that you're expected to have done done it. I mean, yes, I had just hadn't done it. I literally, I you know, I I, I kind of uh, shadowed the guy who was doing the job at the time for a week or two, and then that was it. Just got on with it. So it's you amazing, just kind of really. turned up and figured it out as you went, yeah. And- let other people show you what yeah. what you were doing. Yeah, and just learnt, just basically learnt on the job. But I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. So what it's kind of fantastic. things were you doing there? What, what does so that I, feel like? So the registrar's jobs at the at the Tate were quite, quite divided up into sections. So there's exhibitions, people who just do the temporary exhibitions, you yeah. know, and then there's people who look after the collection, etc. So I, my two main responsibilities were, the st- responsibilities were the store, which at that time, which they aren't now, were, were in the basement at, at Tate Britain. Right. Um, so this is pre Tate Modern yeah, opening. Totally, everything's yeah, all in yeah, there from there. the Tate yeah, the collection. Yeah, the collection. Yeah, exactly. So I was look basically doing looking after the store and acquisitions. Right. So all all the new acquisitions came through me. I did all the, and, and like numbering them and yeah. organizing transports, insurance, uh, and also long loans. So right. they had a group of. Over a hundred uh, pictures, which were on long loans from various people. Um, so I had to do the government indemnity every year and just keep up the kind of correspondence with them. So yeah. I also had to fill in this one. Of the, one of the big the best things I'd had to do with the I had the proper leather bound, marble edged uh, acquisitions ledger, which on a Friday afternoon I would get my ink pen out. And fill out all the new acquisitions. Yeah. Wow! Like by, proper by hand. Yeah, oh. by hand with, oh, wow. a, with a proper with, a, with an ink pen. That yeah. must have felt amazing. Yeah, yeah, really thick, like 
five, so six inches thick. So could you go leaf back through that and yeah, see yeah. Yeah, other back to the 50s, yeah. Wow, and it's, that's Fantastic. incredible. Yeah, so that's like, you know, my, my hand is there. It's in there in the archive. National record. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, it's an amazing collection, obviously. And just, especially being access to the store, I could go in the store anytime, just look at anything I wanted. And yeah. Quite hands-on, not too hands-on, because they're quite strict at the Tate about, uh, you know, the technicians actually t- did the handling. You yeah. weren't really supposed to move things around yourself. That's, it was all, everything's departmentalised quite strictly yeah. at the Tate. But, but working, the good thing about the registrar is that you work with every department. So you work with conservators, you work with the curators, um, you know, you work with photography, you work with the technicians, and you work with outside people as well. So it's it's wonderful. So this it sounds like this gave you a, a even more detailed overview yeah. of possibilities and options. Yeah, and it's just a fantastic you... job, I think. So how long were you there for? Four years, but it's all it's all practical. You know, yeah. There's no there's no kind of research or writing to do. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 very much a, a, a sort of doing job. And I just, I, without, it's responsible, um, but not, you know, not so much kind of stress, I suppose. Yeah. Perhaps. They so, did get stressful towards the end, because the last year was, was all about Tate Modern and, right. and the build-up to that. And got so sucked into so that. you started in 96, all oh, right, so you're heading towards 2000. That's yeah, the so Tate Modern opened, I think, April, May 2000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I was working up to that. In fact, I left about within a month of Tate Modern opening. Right. Was there a particular reason you left? Well, I'm trying to think now. I'm not, I th- working on Tate Modern was, 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 was mad. I mean, I was working Saturdays and all these crazy hours and it was, it was, it did get quite full on. Right. Um, and. Was that not exciting though? It was, it was, it was exciting, but. Did you I feel think, connected to it, to the I, project? Or? Yeah, a bit. But I think the, the Tate went through a, through a period of massive expansion at that point. When I first started, the first couple of years I was there, everyone was based at Millbank. Yeah. So I knew, I knew virtually everyone who worked there, you know, doing every job, you know. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Tate Modern opened and all the departments kind of were recruiting loads and loads of new people. And it went from a kind of, like, big family... Uh, just to this, it seemed to almost overnight turn to this vast, unwieldy empire. I was working out that, that at that point, then they'd got a new store out on the old Kent Road, but from the Elephant and Castle. And I was working out there a bit as well, mostly. Right. I don't know, I'd just had enough of it, really. Felt less think. connected to it. Yeah. And I th- think there was probably the opportunities to advance were quite limited. And it was just, it was hugely uh, bureaucratic, um, quite hard work right. in, in, those, in those ways. I probably had, I think, I had a bit of a honeymoon period, I suppose. And I say it was, it was fantastic. I really did, really did enjoy it when I first started. Perhaps after four years, I'd had enough. It'd worn, it'd worn off. But in the last year or so, I was looking. I remember it looks like, you know, just like you do, I just started to see what other jobs there is. Now I knew, yeah. I knew what I was capable of and what yeah. I was interested in and what I thought I might have a chance of getting uh, Plus at that, that point. that on your CV, it next levels you, doesn't it? 
having yeah. Tate on yeah, I think it, on Well, it. I think it does. I mean, I, I, even then, I probably w- wasn't so conscious of that. Right. I've become much more conscious of that much later on in my career. Yeah. That, uh, you know, if you've got, that you've worked with Tate, it does, people do kind of prick up their ears. Gives you courage. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And it's still, it's, it's, even now, I can I can use that connection. Yeah. I can go to, the, and I still know people who are at the Tate now who were there when I was, and the fact that I, you know, I've worked there does give me a bit, it does give me a bit of extra kind of um, help on that. Yeah. So you were looking around for new stuff? Or, yeah, I probably, or I, I, know, I remember, I, had a few, I must have had a few interviews. I remember I had an interview at the Royal Academy right. to be the collections manager at the Royal Academy. Um, I didn't get that. Um, can't remember any others. But then we were still looking a, in London at that point. Pretty much. But then this job at the Henry Moore Foundation uh, came up, right. uh, which is outside London. And that was to be the registrar. And they hadn't had a registrar before. So it was, you know, it's that kind of next step of, of having more responsibility to be able to set up things yourself yeah. uh, and to be working in an incredible rural situation. Um, so I applied for that. So I remember actually drive, driving up to this interview with uh, with a colleague from the Tate, another registrar at the Tate, which is a bit odd. You well, know, both drive, we're going both, for, both going for this job, yeah. For the same job? Yeah. Wow. Well, in a friendly way, she's one of my best friends, you know. And, you know... <laughs> That's going to be quite up. weird. Yeah, it was a bit weird. But it was one of those interviews where you all went round in a group together, all right. the candidates. So we drove up together and we were about... I remember about a mile, because it's about 45 minutes drive out of London in Hertfordshire. And we were about a mile away and we were both going, should we turn around? <laughs> you know, oh God, you know, because I, I always hated doing interviews and she, she didn't like it either. And we were, oh, should we stop? Should we go? We would, so, but we did it anyway. So anyway, I got that job uh, at the Henry Moore Foundation, which was, again, fantastic in a lot of ways for the, for the while it lasted. Yeah. Um, but completely different, you know, completely different, so different from the Tate, you know, very so much smaller you know, 15, 20 people. Uh, so what was the job that you were doing there? So that was reg- that was registrar, but that was, you know, it was much broader. Um, so that was really collections management, looking after the stored collection there of Henry Moore uh, works, you know, thousands and thousands of Henry Moores and, and doing, most of it was touring exhibitions, right. international touring exhibitions, um, getting off the ground, a lot of, tra- of travelling, which was great at the time. Um, so when I was there, I organised. Well, it was organised in the states, but I was the connection in the in the UK. A big, a huge uh, Moore retrospective in the states, which went to Dallas Museum of Art, cool. the Legion of Honor in um, San Francisco, and the National Gallery of Art in Washington. Huge touring show. You know, things I had to go by sea. Huge bronzes. Wow. You know, four... did you go by sea with them? No, no. Or you flew no, no. and yeah, they went yeah. on. Yeah. The, wow. This is one by sea, one the wrong because they're massive, huge, yeah. full size Henry Moore bronzes. Um, so I went to all the, I went to either the installation or deinstallation of all of those, and that'd be like a week or two in each place. Um, south of France, we did a big show um, at the. This is something great. <laughs> yeah, the Mac, Mac, <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. At the Mac Foundation, uh, just outside Nice, um, and then smaller ones. Um, I missed out. There was they had a big show in New Zealand while I was there, and a big massive show three venues in China. You know, this is you know Henry Moore is seriously international yeah. stuff, and there's Henry Moore exhibitions going on around the world all the time. Um, 
but that I found that a bit of a treadmill actually after a couple of years really. Uh, so I liked the travelling, but all oh, right, the travelling was the treadmill. Or... Yeah, but again, after you've done yeah, after you've done a, loads of Henry Moore exhibitions, it was just always a bit too long. You know, a week, ten days, in the same hotel. You know, yeah. with the same people all the time. It was, it was quite actually I found it quite hard after a while. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a, I mean, it's, it was a unique. Uh, opportunity really a new a unique context to be working in Henry Moore Foundation because it's in a tiny little hamlet called Perry Green uh, in the Hertfordshire countryside and they they own at that time they owned most of the most of the houses in the village quite a few of the members of staff lived in these houses that were owned by the foundation around and they owned the pub right. uh, and the, uh, <coughs> in those days it's changed now but when I was there they still there's quite a lot of people who who'd worked with when Henry Moore was alive so the conservators, technicians had been Moore's assistants, yeah. uh, and the head of collections and exhibitions, who I worked to have been, is Moore's assistant. So there's so this close connection with Moore himself. Yeah, like we sort of followed his day. So we'd all everyone, sort of. The, I, know, I think there's about eighty people work there now, but there was only twenty odd when I was there. So at ten o'clock, half ten, we'd all stop and have coffee around a big table together. Half twelve, we'd all go to the pub and have lunch together. Then in the afternoon we stopped for tea at like three o'clock for half an hour because he'd set that. <laughs> that yeah, pattern. so that was his working day, and wow. that's how they did it. So, there. Just, so it was it was it was amazing, really. really. Yeah. Um, but it's Henry, you know, it's it's Henry, you know, it's all Henry Moore, really, uh, and the tra- and the travelling was quite tiring. So did you find that quite limiting in the end? The working, the travelling, working with one artist, and then. Yeah, I, I suppose. I wonder if it was perhaps, and also the role. I think, um, I think perhaps I'd be. I was starting to kind of refine my kind of um, my curatorial kind of right. uh, kind of bent or or desire, and I was starting to you know I was sat I, used, I sat with with all with the curators, and I, uh, you know I kind of getting that well I could be doing that so. having no input into that part of that process yeah. but being responsible for the technical stuff yeah after cool. after being a registrar for about six seven years I was starting to think well actually you know hang on a minute you know I actually yeah. I, you know I did train I you know I did I, you know I did two degrees in art history I should this is I think I could I, you know I could be, I, you know perhaps I could be doing more that, that might have been part of it might have been frustration possibly but just just doing the kind of logistics yeah uh, because I enjoyed setting up the exhibitions. That's what I hadn't done at the Tate. What I got at the Henry Moore, which I hadn't had at the Tate, was really getting more hands on again. Because you weren't, you know, the, I didn't do any of that at the Tate. But with Henry Moore, I was I was hanging shows, right. installing shows, you know, handling the handling the pieces, you know, and I was having a bit of input uh, when we were, you know, when we were doing hangs with the curator, you know, where should this go, where should that yeah. go, and I really, you know, and I really enjoyed that. I think that's. I probably thought I wanted to do more of this. Was think. it the concept of what the exhibition entailed that you were interested in? Yeah, probably because I mean I was still just I was still basically a functionary in terms of just moving things around. Yeah, you know I hadn't I hadn't I, I hadn't decided, you know what the theme of the show should be or you know what works you know should be included or anything like that. And yeah. I, I suppose I, I perhaps I, I guess I thought well that's what I should I could be doing that, you know I could be writing the labels for this or I I could be deciding which four pictures yeah. should go in, you know, and that's probably what you don't get to do as a registrar. So you there for six or seven years? 
anymore. Yeah. Just two and a half. Oh, sorry, I thought yeah, you said two and a half, three. Right. No, well, right. that was with that, with that and the tape together. Ah, oh, right, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. As, Plus, a, as that kind of registrar role. Yeah, right. that registrar role, which I, I'd say I had enjoyed. It was, a, it was a really good way of getting to know about how big and small kind of art-focused institutions operate, really. Because so I said before, you know, in that the road of registrar really does put you in touch with everyone. At least you are yeah. at the centre of things. Um, but you know, again, just thinking back to what we talked about before about you know being at, about studying art history, I'd no, I I'd even never even heard of registrar. Didn't know what yeah. a registrar was. You know, which perhaps if I'd done a more of a practical based degree, I might have found out earlier. Yeah. But. Um, so did you look for new opportunities at that point? Well, what happened then was that um, I'd moved out into the Hertfordshire countryside uh, to be close to work, but my my partner, she was she was commuting into London every day. Right. So she was doing like three hour commute every day, and I was we were both just a bit like, uh, you know, living in the southeast around London, we were both a bit sick of it really, and we'd had a couple of holidays in Cornwall. So um, I can't quite remember what made us decide eventually, but we just decided to move to Cornwall. So I just, with both, a job or without, without a job? Without a job. We both had quite really nice, good, I mean, steady jobs we could have kept going, and we, and we just decided to move to Cornwall. How old were you then? I would have been um, about 30, early 30s, 32. I've been working for like eight, nine, ten years. Yeah, so so I've got of, a bit under my belt at, yeah. probably at that point. Like, and, yeah, you to get I, disenfranchised. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. a bit of like, like, yeah, had a bit of life experience, I suppose. And you start to think about what, you know, you start to think, I suppose, start thinking a bit more about the future a bit. Yeah. But still at the start stage, we know without any family and no, you know, no mortgage, you yeah. know, we could, we were still quite light on our feet in terms of being able to move and do what we wanted. And people thought we were mad. And the Henry Moore, the, the, my manager at Henry Moore, was just, I just thought I was completely bonkers to be doing this. Um, <laughs> but we, yeah, we just went for it. And luckily, uh, my partner Amanda, she, 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 she got a job lined up. By the time we decided we were going to do it, she was started looking for jobs and got a job. So she had a job when, when we got there, thankfully. Right. Um, so did you say that it was actually St Ives that you were... Where was it? We were? moved, initially we moved to Falmouth. Right. We ended up, we, we lived there for six, seven years. We moved like every year, but we started off in Falmouth. Right. We had friends in Falmouth, um, so it seemed like a natural. Yeah. Basically, the art college is there and it just seemed like a good starting point. Were you still thinking curatorial, or were you thinking that lifestyle was more important? Yeah, at that point, right. lifestyle was, was it was it was obviously a lifestyle choice. Yeah, um, and just to kind of see what happens. And I was in in a way, I was I wanted to carry on uh, working in galleries and museums with art. Yeah, I kind of realized almost immediately that that wasn't going to not be given to me on a plate. Because even though there's a lot of art and artists in Cornwall, the all the institutions are, are very very small. Yeah. Uh, and the thing about um, there's quite a there's quite a slow turnover of staff in Cornwall in museums and galleries because once people can get a job, yeah. they kind of stay. Yeah. Um, so there wasn't there wasn't any good jobs coming up right. uh, when I got there. 
So, but actually, it turned out to be quite a good thing in a way. I signed on for a temping agency and just ended up doing something which I hadn't done previously, doing something completely different, completely non-art related. It was a a really good experience. So I was, um, for nearly a year, just less than a year, I was working for a Cornwall uh, Council, uh, like an offshoot of Cornwall Council, um, assessing... um, applications for European funding grants, like a social fund. So oh, okay. uh, people applying for money for to set up SMEs and um, for community halls and yeah. there's a particular pot of European money to, for, for, for like social... And then the people had to apply and had to assess them against this criteria. It was quite yeah. a good... Well, it was uh, quite a it was quite, skill to... Yeah, you know. and, it was, and again, it was, something, it was something completely different. But, you know, it was... You know, it, it required thought... Uh, I got to travel around Cornwall and, uh, yeah, I got, you know, it gave me a good sense of what Cornwall was all about, I suppose. So how long were you in Cornwall for? Altogether? Yeah. Um, about six, seven years. So it went down in 2003, six years, about six years. So it's about 2009. Yes, 2003 to 2009. After doing, like, four or five jobs in Cornwall, I ended up as um, the exhibitions officer at uh, the Royal Cornwall Museum in Truro, which was kind of back on track right? Uh, in, terms of, so, in terms of career. None of, those, none of the jobs in Cornwall, were they just not necessarily art-related? No, there was, I'd, I'd worked, for, I, worked, I was like the assistant arts officer at the council, um, right. and then I did the Public Catalogue Foundation, uh, which is a nationwide project to photograph all the oil paintings in, right. in, in public collections, which is now Art UK. Um, I I coordinated the Cornwall Nines of Silly edition of that, uh, right. which was another sort of freelance job. Um, so I went around with a photographer photographing all these oil paintings in in public collections, and through that I met a lot of the, you know, the gallery directors, you know, Falmouth Art Gallery and Newlyn, Penley and Penzance, all those sort of galleries. I met, got to meet all the staff there. So I was getting myself around. But I managed to get this job as the exhibitions officer yeah, at the Royal Cornwall. So I did that for a couple of years. That was curated. That was that. So that was really that was my first proper experience of of curating shows. So then I was I was doing I was doing studio visits, right? Curating shows, putting things together myself, and also hiring in touring exhibitions and just like managing an exhibitions program, uh, on a few different levels. You know, hiring hiring in self curating as well. So that's what. So did you, that did you see that job advertised and then? I can't. I can't try to remember. I think no. I think I'd I'd met the director and and this is this is this is how things work, I suppose, in the art world. But um, while I was a registrar at the Tate, oh no, while I was a registrar at the Henry Moore Foundation, I joined. It was it's like a professional uh, group called the UK, UK Registrars Group, which is like a membership group for registrars, professional. Yeah. Like a professional body almost for registrars, I've been I've been on the on the um, uh, on the sort of management management board of that. I was right. the treasurer. Right. I was the treasurer of the United Kingdom Registrars Group for a while, which again is a, it's a really good thing to do. You know, you get to you, you get to meet other people and your name gets known. And yeah, yeah. the the director of the Royal Cornwall Museum, Hilary Bracegirdle, she'd been a registrar too, so she knew me, uh, and she knew I was in Cornwall. Uh, and she knew I'd been doing the public catalogue foundation thing, and I think she just asked me to do it. Right. Or she asked me in and said we'd be interested in doing it because the the, the 
person who was doing it um, was leaving. So it wasn't a formal interview process. Right. I've been lucky, really. Yeah. <laughs> In that way, I haven't, <laughs> not, I haven't got many jobs from actual proper interviews. <laughs> did, but did you relocate as a result of that then? No, so no, that you, was still, that was just on Cornwall, still, so right. yeah, west, the west end of Cornwall. Right. So. And you were... You, did, you kind of described that as being back on track there. Yeah, I suppose that was that was back to, you know, after probably three or four years, that was, seems like more back to doing a, like a proper job of what I should what, what, what I should what I should have been do. doing, and and and, yeah, and I enjoyed it, right. you know. And again, it was a it's just it was that step probably which I just identified which I wasn't doing at the Henry Moore Foundation, which was initiating things myself. Yeah being responsible for what goes on the wall for what gets written you know making all those decisions that you know it was a cur- it was curatorial yeah um so i had that that responsibility uh, and i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed that deciding uh what goes on the wall and how it gets interpreted and and how things get hung and how things look and how the poster is going to look and yeah, what's the design yeah. going to be what color the walls going to be I really, I loved all that, uh, which are those, the kind of, that was, it was that level of decision-making, which I hadn't had, I suppose, at the Henry Moore Foundation, uh, which so I had, had then. So doing bits of the registrar job as part of that? Was that the size, kind of, of, the there size was some, of the venue? Or? There was, they did have a collections manager, but I suppose, you know, registrar covers lots of bases and it, you know, it's how, how that word is used. They didn't really have a registrar at the Royal Cornwall Museum, they had a collections manager who yeah. was very focused on the, on the collection. So I did the registrarial bits of the exhibitions officer job, which was a lot organising transport and insurance uh, for all the works coming in and out and doing that kind of registrarial process. Yeah. yeah. So there's still some practical bits to it as well. It was it was it was good. It was varied. When I mean, we did, it, I had a really busy year. We did a simultaneously. We had um, ten drawings um, by Leonardo from the Royal Collection coming uh, and a big Henry Scott Cheek retrospective on at the same time and we needed we had to get government indemnity cover for that show and they never had government indemnity for a show before so we had to do all these improvements to the building like changing doors and fire escapes and putting in more secure windows and things like this so I had to coordinate all that as well so how long were you there for at the Royal Corn Museum yeah just a couple of years a year and a half yeah something like that nearly two years actually so you were working with practising, like, living artists at that point. Yeah. And you had mentioned studio visits. Yeah, so I got into working with artists, which I hadn't done, really hadn't, right. hadn't, really hadn't done before, like living artists, of yeah. which there's lots in Cornwall. So, I would, yeah, I was going to visit studios and um, working with, actually, I did a couple of shows working with outside curators collaboratively and just, it was, yeah, I hadn't really engaged with contemporary art uh, at all in any of my jobs before so that must have been quite a different yeah process yeah it was it's a different set of negotiating yeah, skills absolutely yeah. absolutely and it, that came you know when i got to the hatton that was massively important that i'd done that before yeah. um because i had a you know that was a, had a much more developed contemporary art program but yeah I, I i just really enjoyed you know yeah talking to people about the practice really and just um I thought it was going to be difficult, but actually I found that once I was in a, in a studio space with an artist and, and just asking questions, you know, re, you know, a really good sort of um, conversation could come out of it about, you know, how we might present things and what, you know, what they wanted to show. And yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that process. The problem with Cornwall 
there's a few problems with Cornwall. Uh, but one, the, the, the discrepancy between wages and house prices in Cornwall right. is, is, is vast. It's impossible to buy anywhere to live right. um, on our joint wages. Uh, the, the opportunities to progress uh, professionally were very limited. Um, plus, we were starting a family, and all my family is in the north of England. And it just seemed all those factors together made it seem that even though we loved living in Cornwall, it seemed on a lot of logical, kind of practical levels, moving moving north would, was made a lot of sense. Right. Um, but had to work by that stage. You know, I, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't considering doing it without having a job to go to. Yeah. You know, and it needs yeah, to be, yeah. I needed, I, I got to you that stage where yeah, you... professionally where, I, you know, I thought, you know, you know, I'm into my late, mid to late 30s at this point where it, this has to make sense in terms of career. I haven't made that, done that that often, I suppose, but this was a point where, we're going to move I need to move to a, a job that I want to do in the right place it's interesting how that there's an age I think for most people where that changes where yeah. the importance of dove, up on me. dovetailing things together yeah. starts to become yeah well, I think I think starting the family was 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 part of it as well but yeah, yeah I think if you're going to move again because it seemed like a big move you know we'd made one big move and to do it to do it again it we couldn't. I couldn't do it sort of prospectively. It had to be yeah. with, with something lined up. So it's probably spent after we decided that's what we we're going to do. Probably spent quite a few months. I remember going to interviews in Edinburgh and Whitehaven. I think. I think I had two, so three. Any, it could have been anywhere. I identified in, a few. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, yeah. There was a it few places where Newcastle I thought or... no. It was, I identified a few places where we'd be happy to live, and jobs that I was I would I'd be interested in doing. Yeah. It's, you know, it was competitive. It, yeah, I think it was probably Hatton was probably about the third or fourth uh, interview I had. Right. What was it that attracted you about the Hatton? The sort of the simple answer is one. It was in Newcastle, which I'd I'd already studied, loved Newcastle, yeah. studied there. I knew lots of friends there, so the, all those kind of reasons uh, were in its favour. And um, it was. It seemed like a. It seemed like the ideal kind of broad curatorial exhibitions collections uh job really um which is what i was looking for really Uh, you know i had the practical bit of looking after the collection it had the temporary exhibition program which was the two things that i was really interested in yeah so what was that experience like of working at Hatton? so it's quite an interesting venue Kind of within the university, but also part of Town Weir Archives. Yeah, it's very, very, very interesting. Um, and that's probably I was there for eight years, so um, a lot, a lot, probably a lot of the, a lot of the thinking about the job was about um, sort of negotiating that the relationship between a museum service, like a city-based museum service, uh, and uh, in the context of a university. Um, Plus, I suppose the thing that I hadn't thought about, well, I hadn't thought about that really when I applied for it, but the other thing was the, was the kind of Schwitters factor. Right. The Mertzbahn wall, which I knew was knew a little bit about, but I hadn't realised that was going to sort of take over. Which is incorporated it into is, the... Yeah, it was part of the Hutton Gallery. Uh, and it's like a massive, major international artifact <laughs> um and yeah that's really interesting I, I did, so the as a magnetism for you to 
Yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about it before. I mean, I think I might touch upon it on the, in the interview, but I don't think actually, I don't really think the Hatton had perhaps done as much about it at that time. But yeah, that it just it was just it was idea it was a small team, and a, a, a wide range of exhibitions. You know, single artists, living single artist shows, touring shows. You know, we had shows from the British Live. British Museum and V&A and Arts Council Turin, single artist shows that I curated, um, Mary Webb and Helen Petz and um, and group sh- group shows which I curated as well, t- touching colour, contemporary artists dealing with colour, uh, worked with the Tate on a show about basic design, so it's really, really, kind of really good good stuff, range yeah. of subjects and you know nice sized gallery, small team. Um, so that, inter- interesting the collection. That you've been somewhere from yeah, twice as down. twice as long. Yeah. yeah, and you know, four years at the Tate was the longest I'd stayed in any other job before. So, so were you given it a large amount of freedom to define the program? There, how how did that work in terms of having to were you generating ideas and then yeah. going back to the a wider team within Town Weir and saying this is what yeah, I want to do? Yeah, we were quite. When I started off, we were quite. Uh, it changed a lot. The context of the the Hatton and how it was managed changed quite a lot while I was there. Yeah. Um, when I first started, it was quite young in its kind of, um, of its management by, by Tyne and Weir Museums. Uh, and we were still, we, we were still a bit out on a limb. We weren't connected. Uh, uh, com- com- computers weren't connected, right. you know, to the main system. We didn't have access to the main TWAM database. You right. know, we're, so we were still, for example, um, so we were still a little, a little slightly independent, really, and, do, and quite doing our own thing. There wasn't so much sense of an art team, you know. We would, you know, the laying in the Shipley, would just did their own thing. But I think over the over the years, uh, I was there. It became absorbed more into this sort of time and weird sort of way of doing things, yeah. uh, managed by. Um, Julie Milne, as chief curator, had an overview of all three galleries and try, was trying to make them more of a, a group of galleries within a museum service. In terms um, of the types of exhibitions that were, with the yeah, relationships yeah, between the Yeah, trying to make the more joined up uh, and just make more use of um, the kind of shared um, services that Tom had, like conservators and yeah. marketing and um, uh, photography and things like that. So we hadn't got, got to... Yeah. use those bits of the of the service so there was also a huge physical redevelopment of that space yeah so probably about after four or five years the last two or three years i was there were taken up by developing um the application to the heritage lottery fund for the money yeah. and then once that money had been gained then the closure of the gallery for the redevelopment, which meant moving everything, including the collection, down to the lane, then working at the lane really, as the as my base for the last year or so, really developing the programs for when we reopened. So, yeah, yeah the last two or three years were kind of were completely different. So I didn't, you know, the last actually show I curated at the Hatton was probably about three years before, before I actually, uh, before, right, I actually okay. before I actually so finished. Did, did by that point, had you really 
decided what it is that you wanted? Because that's such a different set of skills, that capital redevelopment. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't responsible for the capital redevelopment. I had, I had to supply texts and, you know, ideas for the programme and right. uh, and so much about the Mertz Barn Wall, so right. much fitter stuff. Because uh, of conservation? Yeah, and just it was a major part of the of the application, right. and there was a while well, you know as part of there was a major uh, conservation program which I had to manage uh, and define. Another part, massive part of the redevelopment was was the reinterpretation of the wall and the, and the creation of a new interpretation space. So I I was I was I spent loads of time on that right. on 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 the, on the slideshow and the new panels and all the new texts. So yeah, a lot of time spent on. On Schwitters and the Mertz barn, really. By the end of that period, did you feel that you were ready to move? Were you looking? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I think because. Do you think that you get to a point with a physical space where you just feel like you're you're running out of road with that, or is it just the? Mm. Is there another motivation for it? Well, I think. I'd really enjoyed the first few years I've been at the Hatton when I had the freedom to to curate, do pretty much what we wanted. And because I think in some ways because the Hatton was in, it needed redevelopment. It was a bit rough around the edges. Yeah. Uh, it was a little bit scruffy. Uh, and there was relatively low expectations uh, in some ways for the shows we did. Uh, but I think allowed us, gave us freedom to, to do things um, that perhaps we wouldn't have been allowed to do after the redevelopment, I right. think. And we weren't under the microscope, I don't think. We weren't really being scrutinised in, in, from a bureaucratic kind of overarching kind of service kind of way. And I, and I, I felt that um, when we reopened, uh, it would be a different beast. That we, wouldn't, we would have to do things differently. And I, didn't, I, I just felt I didn't really want... To, I didn't want to be part of another Hatton. I felt I'd I'd enjoy, I'd, I'd done yeah, my my yeah. time at the Hatton. I I'd enjoyed, but I didn't feel like I was. I felt like I was losing more. I was losing control, not not control, but I was my influence and the decisions I'd been able to make before in terms of what we did uh, was were disappearing, and I was right. I was I was be getting. I would have less responsibility, and that wasn't the direction I I I wanted to be going at that point. So the last couple, last year or two, right? I was there. Um, I was, yeah. I was again, and again, you know, for family reasons or whatever, we we decided that we we we'd always want to live in Scotland. Not always, but for a while, we'd, we'd fancy living in Scotland, right. and we both really liked Edinburgh or Glasgow. Um, so I was, yeah, I was, I was only, I was really only looking in, in really in Scotland properly. Again, I think I probably had a couple of interviews, not many. Um, I think what's happened really is that there, there, there are opportunities seem to be few, fewer and far between. And obviously, there's been a reduction in 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 museums and galleries jobs generally across the board, and people, you know, st- stay in their jobs for quite a, quite a long time. So you have to kind of be patient. I think. Uh, you know, if you want to move in a hurry, it's probably going to be quite hard. And, the, you know, it's highly competitive. So when you do go for a job, uh, there's lots of, always lots of other good candidates. Yeah. So, um, yeah. um, so it took a, yeah, it took a little while. Um, but this, um, yeah, so, but this job, you know, it just seems so ideal. 
So the next step from Manhattan is to your current role. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. so you relocated for that. Yeah. And you've been here for just over a year and a half. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and when I started, they were they were very flexible here, which was good because my timing was absolutely appalling uh, because <laughs> it was about. Uh, because of the happening. Yeah, it was literally about a month, two month or two before the happening was due to open. Right. Um, with this grand reopening, you know, with with a major lending show, this uh, pop art show, yeah. which was was a big deal Huge. with lots and lots of lenders, lots of institutional lenders coming into a brand new building with, you know, with the climate yeah. environmental <laughs> controls not not being quite right and yeah. working with external curators and just just to you know just turn around and say right I'm going now <laughs> was was quite you know was was quite difficult so. And it worked out perfectly, really, because we were already we we had a, we owned a house outside Newcastle. So, uh, when I started, I was I was coming up here on Monday on the train on Monday morning, uh, going back Wednesday night, doing three long days Monday to Wednesday here, and I'd have Thursday off, and then I was going into the Hatton, on laying on a Friday, uh, just to try and keep things ticking over, and did that for probably a couple of months. Right. Just to try and help with the kind of the hand, transition, with, with the transition, but and they were very accommodating here at the trust and let me let me do that yeah. really, but that was most of, most of that was driven by by having to sell out, sell that house. So yeah. I would have kept. So practical. Yeah, I probably I, yeah I probably would have kept doing that for an, another two or three months if we hadn't sold the house right. and moved. But as soon as we sold the house, that was it. You know, once I obviously once I'd moved up to Edinburgh, I wasn't going to be going back to the Hatton yeah, for a, yeah. for a day a week. And they want other than they wanted me here full time. So, yeah. so that I did that for a couple of months. Probably about the first month I was at the trust full time. I was just like getting emails from, from Twam. Well, the Hatton just like you know, trying to sort help them sort out this this and opening questions show. Questions and queries, and yeah, yeah exactly. Because I didn't, I really have time to do a proper handover. Yeah. Because there was no one to hand over to, and I was so, so busy, just sorting out the reopening. I didn't have time to organise anything, so I left emails and files and all sorts completely unsorted. Yeah. Which is a bit, which is a bit of a shame, but. Um, it's one of the thing interesting things about having worked in exhibitions for seven or eight years and you know in in, in, at the, in Truro as well that you, you when you when you change jobs when you do exhibitions when you start a job you're basically delivering someone else's exhibitions for a year or for a year or two <laughs> yeah. and then you leave yeah, when you leave behind you leave behind like exhibitions yeah. so even now the shows that are on now at the Hatton are ones that I kind of planted plant, the seeds yeah, for yeah exactly yeah, yeah okay. so it's yeah have there, have there been constants in terms of people that you've remained connected with, either formally or informally, in terms of mentoring? Not no, not not re not really. Um, that's that's a good, that's a good question. I felt that every job that I've had, really, um, particularly the first, you know, the Government Art Collection, and the Tates, and the Henry Moore Foundation, those three, I suppose, was very much. Le really learning on the re really learning on the job you know and that was quite um that was the way it had to be done because yeah. so the, you know the context was so specific um you know with henry moore you have to learn how to how to lift how like heavy bronze s sculpture is lifted you know yeah, you learn yeah. about like strapping points and these things that you wouldn't get you can't get 
you wouldn't get taught yeah. anywhere else. You actually have to just do it. Yeah. Uh, and it's the same, you know, with the Tate. They've all got, they've got certain ways of doing things in terms of handling things and how you wrap a picture. And you know, they've got you know, the, at that point they had a, they had their own bespoke database which you had to learn. So, yeah. so um, the, the continuity points are less applicable in that. Yeah, sense. I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think I've also been able to take what I've learned from one to one to the next. So when I when I went to the Henry Moore Foundation, they hadn't had a registrar before. Right. Whereas, you know, at the Tate, I'd, I'd learned how to do it properly, yeah, you know, yeah. and so there was, uh, they met with a bit of resistance, you know, at the same time, you know, they didn't, they hadn't had that kind of rigour of, like, knowing where everything is at one point yeah. or, you know, or filling paperwork when things leave the building and all this sort of thing. So... Um, they start introducing systems. That was that was a big part of that job, which they hadn't had before. So, there, do you have any anybody that you might ring before you make a big decision and say, "Just get a run this past you now"? Or? Well, um, not really. I suppose the one person I'd, I sometimes would sometimes talk to uh, is, is a friend of mine, uh, who's the, who who's who's the woman I drove to the Henry Moore Foundation right, with. Okay. Uh, for this interview, and we both she she just started as an as an assistant. I was an assistant registrar at the Tate, and about three months later, she came as a, in as a as a registrar's assistant, which is like one below an assistant right. registrar. <laughs> uh, she was a registrar's assistant uh, on a temporary contract. We started both started in ninety six, right. and she's still there right. now. She's like head of head of collections management, so she's she's followed that same. Yeah, she's she, followed it the kind of track of staying in one place yeah. and climbing climbing up the ladder. So now she's responsible for conservation, registrars, uh, photography, all those kind of functions yeah. at the Tate. Over, you know, and she's been there 20-odd, 20-plus years. So so sometimes, yeah, I chat to her sometimes about... She knows, she, knows, she knows everyone and what's going on around the country. Uh, I guess in the Tate you have that connection, don't you, with stuff going out to different places yeah and yeah and she yeah and she yeah exactly she does a lot of learns out she she knows she knows what's going on all the galleries she's got all the gossip about different museum services and how, <laughs> and how they work and things um so yeah i do i do talk to her what advice would you give to your younger self do things you... have changed i think that the, the thing is uh, the thing is you know i think things have changed so much and is that i wouldn't if i was starting off now i wouldn't be able to do it like i have um, so I wouldn't advise my younger self probably to do anything anything different. Uh, but if my younger self was my age now, I'd probably say think about think about what you want to do um, in terms of your career. You need to research jobs. You know, you need to research what functions there are within museums and galleries and find out what's available. And then you wouldn't have such an ad hoc kind of random uh, development but at the same time I feel I've been very lucky really because I've been able to my career has really been indulgence in some ways of my interests you know so I've been I've been very lucky to be able to uh, follow my kind of what I want to do really I've never thought I've had to take a job which was doing something that I really didn't want to do, or that I just wasn't interested in. That's really lucky, though. I'm very lucky. Yeah, yeah. I I appreciate that. And just how I've done it has been quite lucky. You're describing it as ad hoc, but then 
you've kind of done some incredible things that, and made decisions, informed decisions based upon the experience. Yeah. But I suppose I've been looking at it as, as much that I haven't, I haven't had to over sort of think it or um, I've been able to, there's been a sort of fluidity to it, I suppose. Uh, I've never been that dogmatic about what I wanted to do. Like a five or a ten year or yeah, a long yeah. plan. And, and I've never been, I don't know, this might sound contradictory, but you know, I've never really been that ambitious in terms of set, of setting sort of career goals. Yeah. You know, I've never been, I've never sort of said, oh, in ten years I want to be doing X, or if I haven't achieved this, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah. Um, I've done. There's been a lot of of going with the flow, I suppose, uh, and you know, a willingness to, yeah, to be flexible, I suppose, and do, and, and, and never, <clears throat> never, never been like. I'm, I'm not doing, you know, I'm not doing that. You know, that's that's not that's not what my job entails. You know, the, the Henry Moore Foundation, I'd be out. You know, I learned, I got my forklift truck license. So I'd, you know, I could drive the forklift truck. Yeah, you know, I could yeah. I could drive like huge crates around, and I'd help build like the help build the plinths. You know, outside and just get stuck in. So I've never, I've never, no job I ever thought, oh, this isn't what I should be doing. Yeah. Whereas I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have met curators and registrars, uh, um, all sorts of different professions who are a bit like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really think I should be doing that. Yeah, you know, the Hatton, but the Hatton, I'd, you know, I was, I'd be painting the walls, you yeah. know. So yeah, I think I've always enjoyed that doing, you know, doing different levels, you know, jobs with different levels of kind of uh, responsibility, you know, from painting the walls to, you know writing research and exhibitions so i suppose i've looked out perhaps looked for jobs that have have that in them yeah and i look at it and i've still got that now despite being director <laughs> that's fantastic it's really interesting and thank you for your time is that it that's it well thank you Thanks for listening to the podcast. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud and Facebook using the handle Cultural Peeps. And if you want a bit more information about the Careers Pathway project or about any of the conversations or participants, then there's a project blog which is available at culturalpeeps.wordpress.com. 